Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Great. I am also doing well. Looking forward to bringing the word to you today. How many of you enjoyed this series? It's been a short series uh, on prosperity. Do I hear an amen on prosperity? Uh, this is one of my favorite one of my favorite subjects to teach on after spiritual warfare, actually, because um, I love the fact that as a church, and Pastor Daniel definitely knocked it out of the park last Sunday, or was it Sunday before? Sunday before, wasn't it? Prosperity with a purpose, and. Um, how that, you know, it's all about, it's not just about money. And I want to, my part today is really to wrap this up by talking a little bit more about uh, prosperity as a lifestyle, but also about, it's not about the material things. How many of you know that it's not about that? And it's not even about your money. It's really all about who we are as a whole. So, I want to just start off by saying that, you know, when it's associated with just accumulation of material things as houses, lands, you know, your jewelry or your clothes or whatever, it becomes very self-oriented. And um, it really loses its power of what prosperity is all about because it's reduced to having things. And having things in really is uh, just the little extra, you know, that I like to call it that you get. It's not really what prosperity is all about. And God intended for prosperity to really be a generous pipeline of blessing that flows through our lives to others. And when that happens, those who attempt to try to hoard or keep on to the things that God gives them, soon that pipeline will stop and it will have a blockage in it. And, you know, if you think about a pipeline where water flows through it, I'm not a plumber, but I know at least enough to know that if you get a blockage in it, it stops the water flow. How many of you know that's true? And when you stop the water flow, if it gets bad enough, I know that the pipes can burst. Anybody ever had burst pipes in your house? It's not nice, is it? And what we don't want to happen is that we become the blockage, that we become the ones that stop that flow and then suddenly things blow up in our face because we've stopped the blessing of God which is intended to flow through us. And you know, there's a, a powerful story about materialism and I'm just going to kind of uh, retell the story, but if you'd like to follow along, it's in Second Kings chapter 5. And um, I'm not going to go into great detail. I just want to kind of give you some highlights. But if you've never read the story of Naaman, who was the leper, I don't know how many of you remember that story, but, you know, when he came for prayer... And Elisha had prayed over him, and then he was healed. Um, he asked, because he was a very rich man, he wanted to bless Elisha. And Elisha said, no, I'm not looking for any gain. I just wanted to bless you. This is the word that God gave him for me, me, for you. So I just want you to go on. And 
carry on with what uh, you need to do. Now, his servant felt a bit different. And uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, but those of you that know I'm from Texas originally, we call it Gehazi, so that's his name to me. (laughs) And Gehazi's servant thought, wow, you know, Naaman's offered him a big offering for this healing, and why shouldn't he give it? Because he's a rich man. So Gehazi did a very stupid thing. He went behind his back, and he went back to Naaman, Not only did he go back to ask for an offering, he went back in the name of Elisha as if Elisha had changed his mind. And when he said and asked for what he wanted him to give him, Naaman was so generous, he said, no, I'll give you double that. And then, you know, I love this, the rest of this story because I do want you to know that You know, my grandmother used to say all the time, be sure that your sins will find you out. Have you ever heard that saying before? (laughs) And you know, when he came back, I think he forgot how in touch Elisha was with the Lord. And when he came back, you know, he said to him, he said, oh, where have you been? He said, I haven't been anywhere. Been right here. He said, well, that's strange because he said, I know that you, where you went because my heart was with you. That's how close they were that he knew that he had gone back there. And, you know, sadly, if you don't think that, you know, God means business, when you go to the scripture in verse 26, he said, Is it, and I'm reading out of the Amplified, a proper time to accept money and clothing and olive orchards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants and he asked him that question which basically I want to roll in here that are you ever tempted to seek material gain at the cost of your integrity because when you read 27 Gehazi was told now the leprosy that was upon Naaman will be upon you God meant business because it's about our integrity. It's not about the money. And he did several things that were wrong there. He went in Elisha's name. He told a lie when he came back. There were several things that were wrong all about it. But, you know, what it boils down to this is it shows me that the same when you read in 1 Timothy 6, Uh, 5 through 11, if you want to just make note of that to go back and read it, it says the greedy desire for money and things which brings many sorrows. Listen, we are not here uh, to live in poverty. We are not here to live in lack. But we're also not here just to see how much we can accumulate and worry about things because that's not what we're here for. We are here to preach the gospel. We are here to share about Jesus Christ. And of course he wants to bless us. Of course he wants to give us all that we need. And even the extra. He wants us to have the little extra. But what he doesn't want us to do is to focus so much on the material things around us that we forget what our real purpose is. And that is to carry out the gospel. 
Look at Luke 12, 15. Greed is just to sit and enjoy your riches. And it talks about the parable of the rich man. Now, you'll see this scripture come up. It says, then he said to them, Watch out and guard yourselves against every form of greed, for not even when one has an overflowing abundance does his life consist of, nor is it derived from his possessions. To give you a little history again of this story, it's about a man who suddenly realized how his wealth and his riches were coming to him, and then all of a sudden, he has a massive overflow and he's got so much that he could put them in vats or in warehouses. And so instead of continuing to allow that to flow through him, he decides he's going to store it all up because he wants to hang on to it. And I want to just reiterate again, one day soon, I've been hearing this since I was seven, but it is soon. We are going to go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you look at everything around you, even what you're wearing, it's not going. I want to say that again. It's not going. You know, even this church building, for those that are here that stay behind, they can have it because we don't need it where we're going. Amen. So we need to hang on to everything loosely because we need to be more concerned about our soul and about our life than we are about our stuff. Hallelujah. Don't reduce your Christian life to stuff. A great leader once said, your prosperity consciousness is not dependent on money. Rather, it is on the flow of your money. We need to lay aside the thinking that spiritual blessings in heaven are all we need and that material blessings are out of place for us. He wants to bless us. He's, he's our father. You know, when you think about your father or your mother, or if maybe, you know, you had a guardian, maybe it was a grandparent, you know that they wanted to bless you. They wanted to give you all that they could afford to give you because, you know, I know that many a times even uh, my dad used to tell me the stories that when he and my mom started out on the evangelistic field and there were times where they didn't even have enough to feed us and they were just getting started and to feed, started to feed me and they needed milk and he said we just gave our all that we had to buy milk to make sure that you were able to eat. This is what parents do that are, you know, that are that are supposed to do the right thing. This is what people do when they love you. So when you think about our heavenly father, when you think about the fact that he doesn't want to withhold anything from us, but what he doesn't want you to do is to hold on to the stuff and look at the stuff more importantly than you look at him because he is the one who sent his son to die on the cross for you. So how can we reduce it to stuff. Greed is something that's a characteristic of the devil, while prosperity is an attitude of God. 
Dr. Young E. Cho said that. And I have another saying that I found by a, name, a man named Dr. Dick Everson, and I thought it was a great saying, and it's up on the, you can put it up on the screen. And um, it says, adopt a faith attitude toward life. Live according to God's wisdom regarding money and material things. Then and only then will you know true satisfaction, true life. Make Jesus the centerpiece of your life. Set your heart to trust in him alone. This is the true prosperity message. Prosperity is only part. The objective is for us to be the conduit, as a, for us to allow it to flow through. You know, uh, it was also said that money is called currency because it's meant to flow like the currents of a river. And as it flows, some of it will moisten the parched land of your personal life. Some will flow through to your children and to your family. And some will flow through you to bless the ministry that is helping you become all that you can be. So if we could look at it as that it's strictly just a flow. It's just something that it's just a means to be able to do what we need to do. And when we take our focus off of that and we focus upon him, he will at all times provide everything that we need. Why? Because he knows that we need money to survive. He knows that we need money in order to be able to eat, in order to be able to live. But what he wants us to do is to recognize that those things will come naturally when you make him first and Lord of your life. Hallelujah. It's the ability also to give on every occasion that you have to give. 2 Corinthians 9.8 We're given the power and God is able to make all grace. Come on, say this with me because we need to be proclaiming and declaring these things over our life. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you. So that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in Him, and have an abundance for every good work and an act of charity. He wants to prosper us. He wants us to operate by faith. He wants us to step out and have all that we need to have. But I will tell you this. There are evil spirits. There are uh, the spirits that attack the church. And it tries to assault us as believers. The one thing that we need to recognize is this. They are always going to try to keep us from being blessed. They're always going to try to keep us from having forgiveness for our sins, healing for our sicknesses. And they do all of this. Why? Because we need to recognize the enemy is never going to change his mind. 
He's always going to be on a mission to try to block God's flow of blessing. But one thing I come to tell you today is not only do they may want to do whatever they can do to stop it, but I thank God because He does everything He can to allow it to flow. Hallelujah. And that's the kind of powerful God that we serve. If you look on the screen, there's different spirits that try to resist the blessing of God to come into your life. There is religious spirits. There are spirits of unbelief. There are spirits of infirmity. Evil spirits. Unclean spirits. Spirits of covetousness and greed. Deceiving, seducing spirits. Remember, the scripture told us you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but you are wrestling in this struggle of faith against the host of wickedness in high places and against evil principalities of power. But he still tells us, discern and know who you are fighting. Know what you're up against. We're not just resisting old habits or family traditions. These are wicked spirits and entities, real spiritual beings that want to try to hinder and keep us from prospering. But if we can stay focused on His unlimited supply, not on our lack, we know He will work everything out for our good. If we can just rest in his good promises and not worry about how the money will come. We can be confident that he will supernaturally provide for us and for our families, for our ministry and anything else that we may need. What a wonderful father that we serve. He is every good gift and every perfect gift from above that comes down from the Father with whom there is no variation. James 1. So many scriptures that tell us what an amazing, powerful God that we serve. I'd like to give you some simple principles to live by. Number one, obey and you will be blessed. Deuteronomy 28.2 These blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because when you read the scripture, remember there are conditions. This is a condition. He says, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Imagine Whatever you're doing, you just have blessings flowing through you and over you because they're just overtaking you because God wants to bless you so much. But he says, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. We can't not not do what he tells us to do, but expect us to bless him. How many times do you tell your kids, even though I, I tried to avoid this as a mother, but sometimes it just slips out. And for those who say it will never happen, it does happen. When you say, oh, if you are good and you don't do this, I promise you this. 
I always said, you know, I'm never going to do that. Sometimes there's emergency situations that call for that. Trust me. Unless you had a look like my dad, then you didn't need to be bribed. He asked a simple thing. He said, obey my commandments. Just do what I tell you to do and and it'll all be there. I think that's pretty simple. Second principle we can live by. The faithful scripture, Malachi 3.10, tithe and the windows of heaven will be opened. He said, tithe. And the windows of heaven will be open. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. One of the few places that he says this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I'm not going to go into what tithe is, but search it out. Know that tithing is meant for us. And for those of you who think... It is only Old Testament. May I remind you that if you believe as our father Abraham did, you will be blessed just as he was blessed. Go and read Galatians 3.9. It talks about the fact that if you want to receive the blessings of father Abraham, you will do and obey the voice of the Lord. So if you think that it's not for you, it is still for us. If continue in the lineage of Abraham and I don't know about you but I definitely do but I'll tell you this one thing that I think we fail to do sometimes as ministers is to remind you that again tithing is not just about your money tithing is about how much time and when do you give it to God during the day Is it the first thing you do or is it the last thing you do before you go to bed just so you don't forget about it? Is it just something that you do during the day that you just sort of roll into your duties and you think, oh, I'm really tired, but I'll just go ahead and say a quick prayer and read my word? Or is it something that when you wake up, you think, Lord, I'm going to tie the first part of my time to you? Do you tithe even... A day of the week, a first day of the week, do you give it to the Lord? It's even good to give God the best of our energy. The best in all that we do. The best of our strength. What we don't want to do is give Him the leftovers. Why would we think about giving a God who is so generous and loves us so much, who's given us life, why would we give Him leftovers? Principle three, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But he says this, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. How much do you want to reap? How big of a harvest do you want to see? You sow a little, you reap a little. You sow a lot, you reap a lot. You know, many people, it's perspective. 
You don't have the money to tithe or you don't have the money to give, but you have the money to go out to eat. You've got money to go out and shop. You've got money to do what you want to do. But do you actually think about the fact that first it should belong to him? I love this one. Principle four, scatter and you will increase. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to poverty. Proverbs eleven twenty four. You know, there's a lot of testimonies. But I, I love this testimony because I had a real revelation about this scripture about scattering your seed. It doesn't mean you just go out there and just throw it out there and hope that something will grow. I'll give you a a testimony of a a church. It was in America, came up for an opportunity for them to purchase land and to build their own building in a prime place, a property that was outside the city limits. They needed to sell their downtown facility before they moved, but the church could not afford to do that until they had sold it. Then the Lord spoke sovereignly to the pastor and he said, freely give the building to the group who wants to buy it that can't afford it. I want you to think about this. It's a radical seed. But God spoke to him clearly to give it to them. In a miracle meeting with both congregations, the pastor announced his gift that he was giving to the Baptist congregation. The auditorium erupted in spontaneous praise. People were shouting, people were crying, people were dancing. But listen to what happened to the church who gave the church away. In a matter of days... The Lord rewarded the pastor and their congregation when a man stepped forward and he said, when it comes time to build on the new property, I'm going to pay to pave all of the new car park. Now for those of you that don't know, cement is very expensive. Another businessman stepped up. It was 22 acres of land that they were trying to purchase. Another businessman stood up and he said, I'm going to donate and do all the landscaping for the property. Within three weeks, another Christian hears of the miracle gift of the Baptist church, this church giving to the Baptist, and he said, I have an entire campground that I want to give you to the church, eight acres on a lake, appraised at $1.25 million. In the midst of their need, they scattered the seed And it caused them to increase supernaturally. Now you've got to know that you hear from God. But what I'm saying is when you're just radical enough to step out there and believe him. And honor and listen to his word and obey. He's just radical enough to give it back to you in so many different ways. Principle five, be generous and you will be made rich. Proverbs eleven twenty five, The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also 
be watered himself. You know, I'll give you just a personal example of this. Tipping when you go to restaurants or places where people take care of you. In America, you know, tipping is a big thing. I used to be a server in a restaurant. I made quite a good living off of tips, actually. And no, we didn't get paid the normal wage. And I do know here that it's my understanding that they do get paid a normal minimum wage. But here's what I want you to think about. It's about going above and beyond, and it's about what is the testimony that we're giving. Paul and I have always had a custom of tipping. And we try to do at least 15 to 20% to bless the people. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because you see, when they don't expect it, and especially when you've been well looked after, what does it cost us to go the extra mile, to do something a little extra to bless them? You know, and I've often witnessed as well where there have been servers who church people would come in and they would speak to the server and find out that there was a great need. And then suddenly they would just say to everybody at the table, let's take up an offering and bless the server. And I've seen them sometimes give them $100, $150 from an offering that they would just all take up together just to bless them. It's when you go above and beyond. It's when you're sensitive to the needs of those around you. It's when you recognize that generosity is a lifestyle. And we, as Christians, should be the most generous people on the planet. We are the seed of Abraham. We are blessed. Hallelujah. We have more than enough. And you should say this over yourself. And as we live in the spirit of generosity, the riches of heaven will be released on our behalf because of our seed and our heritage. Sadly, the restaurant I worked at, I had to work a lot of Sundays. I was a single mom. The waitresses used to call it hypocrite Sunday. And I asked them one time, why do you call it hypocrite Sunday? And they said, because the Christians are the biggest hypocrites in the world when it comes to giving. We witnessed Sunday after Sunday when they would come in here and eat, run us off our feet. And leave 5 or 10p on the table. That's not a good witness. Doesn't speak very highly of us. And sometimes we don't stop to think. Of the kind of witness. Even the way we speak to people. The way we treat them. You know. God. When he pours out upon us. And we keep just allowing that to flow through us you just suddenly realize that it, it never runs out. It just keeps going. The scripture in eight, Deuteronomy 8.18 8, says, It is God who gives you the power to get wealth, but that He may establish His covenant. I wrote this saying down. I, I saw it, read it. Not mine, but I thought it was great. When He is the sender, He is the spender. When he is the sender, he is the spender. 
You know, Jehovah Jireh, your provider. The great plan to evangelize the world was his idea. You know what that means? If it's his idea, he will fund it. Surely he will finance the project in full of whatever you're trying to do. Why? Because he will cause it supernaturally to flow into our hands. There's two words that I believe go hand in hand. Purpose and prosper, which should be inseparable. There's a reason God wants to give us money, and it always has to do with his will being done. If we could only understand that prosperity is linked to God's purpose, we would never fall into the traps of greed or lack because we would recognize that when we go about doing the Father's business, He will supply all that we need. When we add purpose to the pursuit of prosperity, God adds His super to our natural I'll just remind you of a few things as I start to come to a close. Listen to the miraculous ways in the scripture of how God provided for his people. Bread falling out of heaven. Water gushing from a rock. Birds who brought foods to God's prophet. A little boy's lunch who was supernaturally multiplied to feed a multitude. A gold coin in the mouth of a random fish paid a tax for Jesus and his disciples. You know, in our church in Columbia where I used to serve, the last one my dad built, the apostle had a very simple way of reminding people what to pray for prosperity. He would put up the words of blessing and how God prospers for the people to declare those over their lives. We need to have the faith for provision and prosperity. We need to know that in Matthew 21, 22, it says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe and you will receive. He says, when you ask for this in prayer, believe and you will receive. There's so many things that you can pray over and pray into. You can pray for better jobs, for promotions, for raises, for bonuses, for benefits business opportunities. There's so many things that you can ask God for surprises, for wisdom, self-control and spending. You can ask for God to help you decrease your bills so that your income will increase. There's so many things that you can ask God to help you do. Because listen, He wants to bless you. He wants you to live a life a prosperous life so that you may be able to go and do what he needs you to do. And I won't elaborate with these, but I just want to quickly, briefly mention them in the last few minutes. Don't fall into traps. Trap of selfishness. Hanging on to stuff. Starting off as givers and ending up as takers. Waste. aimlessness, where you just walk around with no purpose, not knowing what you're doing. Listen, the Bible warns you that you can seek after Him and He will show you what His plan is for your life. 
forgetting God, pride, independence, that you don't need anybody, you can do it all yourself, reasoning, trying to reason your way out of why you should give and bless, worldliness, because we're so worried about things instead of worried about what God has for our life. Things mean nothing when it comes to really serving God and seeking after Him. When you really get this mindset that when you live in a state of poverty and lack, you're not living in the abundance that God wants you to live. You know, there's things that people have said that simply aren't true. People have said Jesus was poor. No, actually... He was blessed and fully supported by others with an abundance of finances and he even had the finest clothing and was buried with the wealthy. The disciples were poor. No. They were actually successful businessmen. They had bonuses. They owned land. They had money provided for them to travel the world. Jesus told his disciples to sell everything and follow him. Yes. And because they did that, he promised them they would receive a hundredfold in their life. The gospel is for the poor. Yeah, it is. So that they won't stay poor. The earthly church gave everything away. No. The scripture says they never lacked anything. They sold houses and land and possessions and they gave the proceeds from them to the apostles but they did not necessarily give away all the houses they were living in. There's even the fallacy that Apostle Paul was poor. No. Paul said, I know how to live both humbly and in prosperity. Many people did provide for him financially. God wants his people to be poor and humble. No. Poverty is a part of the curse. And Christ has delivered us from that curse. He wants to give us good things and bless us. We can humble ourselves even as we are blessed. I've even heard people tell me that the prosperity message doesn't work in third world countries where poverty abounds. Yes, it does. I've seen us teach it over and over from day one when we were building churches. My dad was never, never held back on teaching people how to give. And I remember one of the most powerful testimonies. I'll give you just a quick summary. They gave because it was there. They started coming. They started learning about God. They gave what they had in their pocket. And I, some of you may have heard me tell the story before, but when they went back to pay off their house, it had already been paid for and they owed nothing. So what I am telling you is don't tell me that it doesn't work in the third world country. It does work when we teach them that they too. That means that we're teaching people that only us have the right to what God has for us. That is a lie. God has what he has for everybody in this world. And if we don't teach it, who will? Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. I ask you to consider something. 
if you were really the devil, would you want the church to prosper? Would you want God's people to be healthy, happy, whole, having everything they need, having all their needs met? I'm going to quickly next show that picture of the the Sahara Desert because I just wanted to show you this before I pray. There's a story that says that there was a a minister who flew over the desert. And as he was flying over it, he was shocked to see how expansive it was. Such a parched piece of earth. Took him hours flying in a jet over the barren sands. And as far as he could see, it was nothing but desert. It was mind-boggling. He wondered what good it would do if cargo planes filled with water were to just fly over the territory day after day and drop loads of water. He said, I came to the conclusion I'm sure that would be totally unprofitable and would not change the Sahara at all. But yet, if the same water was channeled into one area, an oasis could be constructed and bring life to that part of the region. I say that to say this. Sometimes we try to just think about we've got to throw volumes and volumes of water all over parched land. But remember this. Poverty is a spirit and pouring money just out to people. It's just like the story with the man with the fish. Give him a fish You'll have to feed him the rest of his life. Teach him how. He won't lack. We need to be teaching and showing people by example that they don't have to stay in a state of poverty. So I want to challenge you this morning as you close your eyes. I want you just to think for a couple of minutes. Maybe in some form or fashion you found yourself living in a poverty state. Or always putting yourself down, thinking that you'll never have enough. That you'll always be like that because of your background or because of circumstances. But I'm... I know God's word is so true. I want you to know that God can set you free today. And I'm going to ask you that if that's you, you don't have to, if you want to come down to the front, there will be a prayer team down here waiting for you. But if you want to just step out in the aisle right where you are, because you're saying, I recognize that I've lived in a poverty state of mind. And I do want to say this. You can be rich and have a poverty state of mind. It's not about the money. It's about the fact that you're living in that lack, that poverty mindset. And I just want to challenge you that if this message has challenged you today, 
step out. Be bold enough to step out and say, Lord, I want change. I want to live the abundant life that you have promised me. Father, we thank you for everyone that is here today. We thank you, Lord God, that this message of hope, this message of abundant life is for us all. And I pray, Lord, that we have gained a new revelation of what you have for us. That there's so much more you want to do in our lives. There's so much more that you want to use us for, Lord God. And as we step over these hurdles of worrying about where will it come from, how will it get paid, who do we know, I thank you, Lord God, that we can focus our eyes upon you. To serve you. To obey your words. And as long as that blessing will flow through us, you will get it to us. I ask you for every family, every person represented here today. Pour out your blessings upon them. I pray, Lord, that they will take bold steps of faith today to make changes. Lord, to obey your voice in such a radical way and see you respond. I thank you, Lord God, that there's no reason for any of us to be in lack. That we step out of that and trust you today. And know, Lord God, that you own it all. You own it all. And all we have to do is trust you. And I thank you, Lord God, for your word today. May it not be forgotten. May we be reminded when we leave here. To apply it to our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.